It's time for Defending and Commending the Faith with Joe Mott, inviting the atheist, agnostic, and skeptic to examine for themselves the evidence for the Christian faith. We are all limited by what we do not know and by the things we think we know but are not true. Dr. Joe Mott earned his Ph.D. at LSU and was a distinguished math professor at Florida State University for 38 years, helping to write three math textbooks and authoring over 30 research articles in math. He is now the host of this radio program, Defending and Commending the Faith. Here is Joe Mott. Welcome to all listening. I am Joe Mott, and this is the third episode of Defending and Commending the Faith. In the last episode, I said, in choosing a belief system, you must answer this pressing question. Does life have any real purpose and meaning? I quoted comments by Richard Dawkins, Friedrich Nietzsche, Bertrand Russell, and Fyodor Dostoevsky. The first three are what could be called high priests for atheism. So they should be authorities on atheism. Their comments imply that if there is no God, then life has no meaning and no purpose. Moreover, in agreement with Nietzsche's prediction, we can conclude that atheism always leads to nihilism. Nihilism is literally nothingism, meaning the total rejection of any transcendent values or ultimate meaning. But here is the drawback. Both the denial of all being and the, de- and the denial of all value are self-defeating views. The denial of all being is self-defeating because one has to exist in order to deny all existence. And similarly, the denial of all value is self-defeating since the very denial involves the belief that there is value in making this denial. So if we start with these two premises, one, atheism leads to nihilism, and two, nihilism is self-defeating, the conclusion is evident. Atheism is self-defeating. According to atheism, since there is no enduring purpose to life, then there is no right or wrong way to live it. And it doesn't really matter how you live or what you believe, Your ultimate destiny is annihilation. You simply return to dust. So atheism is self-defeating, or rather, since atheism is self-defeating, you should know that choosing atheism is both foolish and and irrational. What action should you take knowing that atheism is self-defeating? The action should be to reject atheism and begin to search for a belief system that is not self-defeating. Another point I made in the last episode was that some people say different belief systems, religious and non-religious, are fundamentally the same and only superficially different. In truth, they are fundamentally different and only superficially similar. I need to add to what I said in the last episode Whenever we hear someone say, all religions are basically the same, we immediately know two things about that person. First, he has little 
in-depth knowledge of the various religions, and second, the person either has no religion at all, or if he does, he is not conversant about it because he does not know its own distinctives. A person's commitment to the idea that all religions are essentially the same is really based on his or her ignorance of those religions. So ask that person, have you examined all religions or, for that matter, all major religions? Aren't you making some very broad generalizations? This is the end of my review from the last episode. I recommend for your perusal the fold-out Worldviews Comparison, published by Rose Publishing. It lists eight worldviews. I would add agnosticism, and I would separate monotheism into Christianity, Judaism, and Islam. I start today with this question. Which belief system, faith, religion, worldview will you choose? Ask yourself, which belief system, if any, answers the God question correctly? Which belief system explains the condition of the world plausibly? Which belief system answers the five fundamental questions best? Would you go about choosing a belief system like the way you choose a consumer item? Suppose you're shopping to buy some consumer item, say a coffee maker for a loved one. Would you just choose the first one you encountered? Probably not, right? Would you look for the two or three most popular brands and try to discover the reason these brands were chosen? Maybe. Would you choose one from among those most popular brands, which was the lowest price for the benefits it offered? Again, maybe. Finally, would you search for the brand that required you to work the hardest to get a cup of coffee? I doubt that. I wonder, would you apply the same method of choosing a consumer item to choosing a faith, a religion, or a belief system? When I look back on the time when I came to the Lord when I was 11 years old, I think God had been drawing me to Him for at least four years. So it's not totally up to my choice. God is mysteriously involved somehow. In case you're attempting to choose your belief system in the same manner that you would search for a consumer item, note that the six most popular religions in the world are first, Christianity with 31.2% of the population. Second, Islam with 24.1%. Third, Hinduism with 15.1%, Buddhism with 6.9%, and fifth, folk religions, 5.7%, and sixth, Judaism with 0.2%. What about the differences of these separate religions? 
In a previous episode, I pointed out some distinct differences between Christianity and Islam and between Christianity and Hinduism. We can find other significant differences. The Muslim Quran and Hindu Vedas, for example, promote a works view of salvation. Whereas the Bible says salvation is a gift for those who trust in Christ alone. Compare Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 and 9, and Romans 6, chapter 6, verse 23, and chapter 3, verse 24. Christianity teaches that Jesus is absolute deity. Hindus claim that Jesus was a mere avatar, just one physical incarnation of one of the 330 million deities. Islam says Jesus is only a prophet. The truth is that the major world religions disagree over every major issue, including the following list of things. One, the nature of God. Is there one or more gods? Finite or infinite? Personal or impersonal? Does God have capacity for miracles, etc.? Number two, the view of the nature of truth, tests for truth and logical consistency. Can their truth claims be tested? Is their religion livable? Three, the view of man's nature. The basic problem for humanity, its ultimate destiny, and the requirements for individuals to overcome the basic problem. Four, the origin of evil and its end. Five, the view of the basis for ethics and morality. Six, the attitude of God toward mankind and the world. In particular, the means of attaining salvation uh, and the view of ultimate human destiny and the afterlife. And number seven, there are differences in other aspects like the perception of sin, hell, heaven, and creation. In particular now, let's discuss the differences between Christianity's God and Islam's God. Christianity and Judaism worship the God of the Bible, Yahweh, the great I Am, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. But Muslims worship Allah. Allah and Yahweh share some similarities, Both are one, as opposed to the gods of pantheism and polytheism. Both are transcendent, creators of the universe, uh, universe, sovereign and omnipotent. Both have communicated through prophets and will eventually judge all mankind. But the differences between Yahweh and Allah are so profound 
that to view them as being the same is impossible. I give ten major distinctions between the God of Christianity and Judaism, Yahweh, and the God of Islam, Allah. I've said before that Yahweh is a trinity, one God eternally manifest in three persons, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. But Allah is not a trinity. Second, the Christian Heavenly Father has an eternal Son. Consider John 3.16, for example. Islam believes Allah cannot have a Son. Indeed, the idea is considered blasphemous. Third, Yahweh is a spirit. See John chapter 4, verse 24. But Allah is not a spirit. Fourth, Yahweh is both transcendent and imminent. In uh, Psalms 145, verses 18 and 19, the scripture says, The Lord is near to all who call upon him, to all who call upon him in truth. He will fulfill the desire of those who reverently and worshipfully fear him. He also will hear their cry and will save them. Other scriptures to emphasize that point could be found in Deuteronomy chapter 4, verse 39, Psalms 34, verse 18, Psalms 119, verse 151, and Jeremiah 23, verses 23 and 24. I've said Yahweh is both transcendent and imminent, but Allah is only transcendent. Number five, Yahweh is light, and in him there is no darkness at all. 1 John chapter 1, verse 5. God, Yahweh is utterly good, Psalms 34, verse 8. He can't even be tempted by evil, James 1, chapter, uh, chapter 1, verse 13. Allah brings both good and evil. Verse uh, number 6. Yahweh is a heavenly Father. Matthew 6, verse 9, in the Lord's Prayer. Allah is not a Father. See Surah 19, verses 88 to 92. Number 7. Yahweh loves all people, including all sinners. Consider the prodigal son story in Luke 15, verses 11 through 24. But Allah loves only those who love him and obey him. Let me finish today. I hope to hear from you. I ask you that pray, pray for me that I have clarity of thought, guidance from the Holy Spirit and led by the Lord, Pray for my ease of preparation and pray for my boldness of speech. I pray that God be with you till we meet again. Grace be with you all. Thank you for listening to Defending and Commending the Faith with Joe Mott. 
a production of Wave 94 Radio in Tallahassee, Florida. If you have any questions or comments for Joe, please forward them to Doug Apple at Wave 94 at this email address, dougapple at wave94.com. And be sure to join us every Monday evening at 6.45 p.m. on Wave 94 and subscribe through your favorite podcast app, Defending and Commending the Faith with Joe Mott.